I am convinced that nothing divides families quicker than inheritance. Nothing divides family quicker than children fighting over the scraps of somebody's life when their father or mother's life when life is done. And I've seen it in families not only of those of, of, uh, whose uh, loved ones I've performed the funeral of, the Mass of Christian burial, but I see it in extended families and extended relationships and how hard it is when brothers and sisters stop talking to each other simply because she got this or he got that. How sad it is. And as divisive as inheritances are even yet, they were even more sticky in the days of Jesus. More room for anger and resentment to crop up. According to inheritance rights, the oldest son got a double share, meaning that he would, the, the, the property would be divided up by the number of children plus one. And that oldest son would get two shares. More likely than not, the older, share, older son would also inherit all the property, the land. And that would bring anger. The younger children, the younger sons, would have no right to anything more than their single share of the wealth that was left behind. And while uncommon, it was known that certain children would come to their father and ask, give me the share of the inheritance. So Jesus, in telling this parable, this parable that is perhaps one of the most perfectly constructed parables that I have to admit has been nailing me between the eyes, uh, these last six weeks for a number of reasons, but and, uh, it always does, it always tugs at me. As he's constructing this parable, he has this son do something unthinkable. Because while it is awful in this day and age yet to ask, what's my inheritance going to be? Even that is terrible enough. Or to be angry that we're written out of somebody's will or all those things. For a son to go to his father and say, I want the inheritance now, in the time of Jesus, would have been akin to saying, and saying it a lot more worse than this, drop dead, dad, you're only worth your bank account to me. I don't want you, I want your money. And that's precisely what this younger son does in this parable. And to add insult to injury, not only does he, uh, he doesn't do anything well with that money, he takes it, he goes to a distant land, and we know it's distant because it is Gentile land. After all, he's dealing with the pigs when all goes sour. He runs through that money as somebody who's only living a lavish lifestyle can do. One of the things I know about inheritance is those who inherit more times than not just kind of blow through the money and have nothing to show for it. And this son does exactly that. He has nothing. And famine then hits the land. And of course, he's starving. All the friends that his ill-gotten money got him, leave him. And he's so hungry that he longs for the slop that the pigs are given. Now I know our pigs feed, eat really well, but I don't know about you, but I don't think I've um, ever been hungry enough to eat their slop. And this boy is saying, oh, 
My father wouldn't treat his hired hands like this, and here I am starving. I'm starving. My father was a good man. A cynic would look at his apology as Jesus has constructed and say, yeah, 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 but he's just wanting to get back to his father's good graces. I'm not so convinced. I think this boy comes to understand, wait a minute. My father could have told me to drop dead. In fact, from what I understand of inheritance laws, if a son did that and the father was not so well disposed to his son to do what this father does, the son would have been rightfully cut out of the will to inherit nothing. So the son is sitting there thinking, my dad gave me everything simply because I asked him. I broke that relationship with him. I broke that trust with him. And yet he gave it so freely. And not only that, he is a good man who wouldn't treat his hired hands like I'm being treated. I don't deserve to be called his son. But I want to be taken care of by him because he loves me. He loves his hired hands. And so he gets up. And there's something about this parable, every parable has a hook. And the hook is what the father does. The father wasn't insulted. The father didn't hold any resentment. The father only held love for his son. And I know it's a parable, but I can't help but imagine Jesus constructing this to let the hearer think that the father must have loved his son so much that every silhouette that crossed the horizon, is that him? Is that him? Is that him? And when he sees his son's silhouette, runs to him. As awful as it is for a son to ask for his share of an inheritance, it's even more forbidden for a patriarch of a family to run. Yet he runs out to his son, embraces him, and the son gets out his apology, and the father has nothing of it. Bring him the finest robe. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. These all sound like fine things, but what they symbolize is even more. A robe is giving him his dignity back. A ring is giving him his identity back. Shoes in the house of a patriarch. Only the children wore shoes, not the servants. He gets his identity as a son back because a father loves him. And they, then they throw the feast, slaughtering the fattened calf. That would be a perfect story if it ended there, wouldn't it? This father who loves his son so much that he extravagantly, and I dare say prodigally, because that's what prodigal means, is extravagant, pours his love, his mercy, his forgiveness on this son who sinned against him, who just wanted his inheritance and then realized, I need that relationship more. He wanted that relationship and receives it back. And I can't help but think that Jesus constructs this to let us think he's never going to break relationship ever again with his father because he knows that while he does not deserve that relationship, his father gives it all the same. A perfect story. But then there's the older son, and I dare say, I know this is where I am. I know this is where perhaps most of us are. 
The older son hears the celebration. He smells that fattened calf. And one's quipped as he hears the story, your brother's back. Well, that better be my brother on this spigot that I smell. He had only hatred for this guy. Perhaps one could see that maybe he was angry that his brother would do such a terrible thing to his father. But I think it's a little bit worse than that. He didn't want a relationship with his father any more than his younger brother did. Look, all these years I served you. He's just biding his time for his inheritance. All these years I served you, and not once did you give me even a kid goat. Do you think somebody got his goat? He's angry, and he hates his father for it. And did you notice? When this son of yours, not when my brother, this son of yours, he has no relationship nor desire for relationship, even with his brother. When he spent your, what you had given him with prostitutes, you can hear almost a derision, <laughs> he comes back and you throw him a party. And the father does something to him, too. As much as it was forbidden for a patriarch to run, it would have been even more culturally inappropriate for him to leave the party, to go out to the son who's brooding outside. And yet that's exactly what the father does. Because the father wants the relationship with this older son, too. The son doesn't want relationship. And to a certain extent, I might even ask, does he really want the inheritance? He just sees himself as a servant, not a son. He has no relationship with his father. How sad it is. The parable ends with the son sitting outside as the sun begins to set. The question for the hearer is, are you going to be like that older son who's just angry and hateful? Wanting no relationship with the father, wanting no relationship with his younger brother who did such a terrible thing, yes, but has been forgiven by his father. The younger son who understands that the father is desirous of us being in relationship with him. As I already said, this parable has been my, my heart and my mind these last six weeks especially. And it's not because uh, there's, there's no inheritance of my, my mom. And that's fine. My sisters and I, as we talked about it, we said we don't want anything. We want our mom. And that's when I began to understand this parable at a deeper level. That it's about relationship. The father gave the wealth because in the end, the wealth means nothing without the relationship. The father understands its relationship that's most important. And the beautiful thing with God, when we look at the spiritual meaning of this parable, the God the Father gives us that chance for relationship, and chance, and chance, and chance, a third chance, a fifth chance, a millionth chance, as many chances as we need in order to come back and to come to our senses, that God is a God who loves us, desires us, wants to be in relationship with us, 
calls us back, no matter how far we've been, no matter what sin it is, no matter how much we've hungered for the slop that this world has to offer, no matter how much we've done, how terrible of sins we've done, the Father forgives us when we come back. In this world, it's either the inheritance or a continued relationship with the parents. In the next world, it's both. That God gives us that relationship, gives us dignity, identity, relationship, gives it all and gives the inheritance too. That already in this world with our sight on the spiritual, we already have those at our fingertips, the gifts, all those gifts that he gives us. The gift of baptism that we live out. The gift of our confirmation, which strengthens us. The gift of the Eucharist, which, as we hear in today's first reading, feeds us, nourishes us, but one day that shall be gone as we stand in heaven or fed at the eternal banquet. The God, the Father, gives us all good things. While this parable is often called the prodigal son, the prodigal one really is the father. Because he gives and gives and gives. The Father, our Father, our Creator, the one who loves us so much, gives us everything. And the beautiful thing is we have both relationship and inheritance when we understand him as Father. If we don't understand him as Father, we have neither. This day he invites us to relationship as he does every day, as he has every day of our existence. The question is, are we going to be like the younger son who come to our senses and say, yes, I shall get up. I know I don't deserve this relationship, but the father gives it to me all the same. Or are we like the older son, angry, resentment building in our hearts, hatred for those perhaps that come to that relationship and dare to squander perhaps in good and holy ways the good things God has given us.